It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.08 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your garden, or even if you don't garden, here to persuade you that there's something about having a little plant come up out of the soil that makes you feel happy. If you're not happy when you're gardening, you need to quit gardening. And if you're not happy enough right now, garden and you'll be happier. And if you don't know what you're doing, if you have just no clue where to get started, if you're thinking, oh man, uh, seeds, roots, what do I do about that? Give me a call. Nobody's here going to judge you. Nobody's going to say, oh, you're a dummy for not knowing a leaf from a trunk <laughs> or a root or something like that. If you can't pronounce the name of the plant you have, if you don't even know what plant you have, that's okay. We'll figure it out. You got friendly people here. You got me. You got Ashley Frasca. You got Scott Maxim. We're going to answer the phone. We're going to talk to you real sweet. We're going to make sure when you leave this phone conversation, that you know more than you did when you started it. And everybody, get this, everybody gets their question answered. We rarely turn people away, and usually it's because they haven't quite recovered from the night at the bar before or something like that. Sometimes people do call in in the morning and you think, man, I hear that tinkle of, tinkle of ice and glasses behind you. We probably shouldn't put you on the air because you might say something impolite to us. So those sort of folks, you can you go home, you call us up in a couple hours when you've recovered. Everybody else, if you need to call us, the phone number 404-872-0750. You missed me last Saturday, didn't you? Some of you, at least, were listening last Saturday. Scott Maxwell did a terrific job editing a Best of Walter Reeves. It is the first, the first, the First time I have ever not been live on a Saturday morning, other than Christmas fell on Saturday one year and New Year's as well, and they didn't make me come in, I think, that time, so I wasn't uh, here, and nobody else was either. Uh, and there have been a couple more times when big national emergencies and things like that happened, and we weren't on the air when we were scheduled to be. But last Saturday morning was the first best of Walter Reeves. This morning, I'm live. All right, this morning, January 9th. I am alive. We're fine. We're here. No, no problems with it. Speaking of January the 9th, you know what yesterday was? Some of you are thinking, yeah, it was Elvis Presley's birthday. No, it was not Elvis Presley. Well, it was Elvis's birthday. But the important birthday, my mother's birthday was yesterday. Yes, indeed, Miss Frances Rees, 97, count them, 97, set the house afire with a cake years old. Also, Stephen Hawking and Kim Jong-un, but we don't talk about them too much. <laughs> that is what happened yesterday. Celebrate my mama's birthday. By the way, just a little garden horticultural knowledge right here. I know there are a lot of you over the last oh, two or three weeks, maybe it's gotten a little bit colder, so you started burning wood in your fireplace, and you're thinking to yourself, what can I do with these ashes? Surely there's something. Surely there's something in these wood ashes I'm cleaning out of the fireplace that I can do for the garden, for the landscape, for the lawn, whatever. And the answer is yes, you can. I've got the answer right here. Ashes contain just 
a very, very small amount, but they do have some potassium in them. And lawns and landscapes in Georgia typically can use a little bit of potassium. So adding, put the ashes on the lawn or the landscape, that's okay to add a little potassium. But you got to be careful, careful, because ashes are very alkaline. You sort of knew this from how the pioneers made soap. They used ashes, and they uh, put some water through it and mixed that with pig fat and made soap out of it, okay? So ashes are very alkaline, which is not good for the soil because uh, our soil doesn't want to be terribly, terribly alkaline. It tends to be a little on the acidic side, so a little bit of alkalinity added doesn't do any harm. But we got to think about how many pounds of ashes can we put on the lawn and be safe. Get the potassium, but not raise the pH way, way, way high. And the answer is around 10 pounds per application. So if you can figure out how much 10 pounds is, put your ashes, of course, each day in a metal bucket, not a plastic bucket, in a metal bucket. Put it outside someplace where you can let them cool down completely, where they keep them dry so the rain doesn't get in. And then when you have 10 pounds, put that over the lawn. That's probably the safest place to use the ashes. They will dissolve. They will raise the pH of the soil, just like garden lime does, and add a little potassium, too. So you can add lawn ashes to your lawn if you care to. Again, our number, 404-872-0750. Who do we go to first? Our friend Nicole in Griffin, G.A., Hey, Nicole, good morning. Mr. Reeve. Nicole, it's so good to hear you hear your voice again. 97 years old. Unbelievable. She's going to hit the 110. I, you know, my brothers and siblings and I look at each other and say, what is going to keep her from getting to 100 at least? And we can't think of much of anything. She has terrific caregivers who take care of her. She's living in her own home. They're just north of you in South Fayette County. And... Um, you know, what's not to like? She has her loving son who comes down every Wednesday and brings her a Chick-fil-A um, uh, milkshake for her to enjoy. That seems to bring a little happiness into her life. She looks forward to the next Wednesday. If I keep coming with my milkshakes, uh, Nicole, she's going to be 100 at least. Yes. You know, I'm thinking the the, the very fact of uh, living and everything and not to be misplaced, that's what them, keep them alive yeah. because the old generation, yeah. the... We take we took care of them at their house. We're the first generation that we don't want to be. A, but anyway, changing subject. Yeah, all right. Change the subject for me. Tell me more about gardening. What are you doing in the garden, Mister Reeve? Yesterday, I had this crown of thorn. This not of a gun. Crown of thorns, nice house plant, thorny like crazy, but no, attractive. no, the one outside. It's not a crown of thorns that lives outside. Come on. Well, I always thought there was a crown of thorn because well, it got this thorny thing, yeah. and you cannot kill it. And the, <laughs> the root, I mean, it's got a tap root big time. You know what I had to do? What? Pay a person <laughs> with a pickup truck and a chain. Yeah, and pull the darn thing out. Oh, you had such a hard time pulling him. He earned this $50 because I had to dig it up, and the chain didn't broke, but not too far. It was way down there. Not only one. They multiplied like crazy. What was it? What color was the root, Nicole? Dark red. Dark red. Okay, so it would not be Smilax. I'm trying to figure out what you have, because Smilax vine is very thorny. That's what you said. But the root and, and, oh, and the root system is enormous. The root system goes all under the ground everywhere. But the roots are very definitely yellow, very bright yellow. So if you have any of this 
plant still left around, chop up the roots a little bit and see if it turns yellow. And if it is yellow, then it's a Smilax vine. What else would be a crown of thorns? You've got barberry, which is very thorny. Um, no, it's not barberry because I know what barberry is. Okay. But this thorn like, is like an inch and a half long, and it loses leaf. In the, in the winter time. Did you say and it was a vine or did you say it was a shrub oh, or a tree? Oh, it's a tree. It come up way up oh, there. I know what you have. You have a seedling Bradford pear. Betcha. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Bradford pears. You know, the ornamental Bradford pears yeah, yeah. and have the white flowers in the spring. One of the things that we were promised when they introduced the Bradford pear was it would be sterile, that the flowers would not produce fruit that would germinate and we could plant it without any fear. And that is true. A pure Bradford pear is sterile. But if you put other kinds of flowering ornamental pears nearby, like, uh, oh, there's two or three Amsterdam and uh, What's the other? Chanticleer, two or three more. But if you put one of those nearby, also they're supposed to be sterile, but the two of them will swap pollen, and lo and behold, they have fertile seeds. And the seeds, when they sprout, have these thorny as all get out, evil, devilish shrubs and trees that uh, are. It was planted by uh, the bird because I know yeah, I didn't put it yeah, there. Yeah. And it was next to a, a pole, a, you know, electric pole. Yeah. So for sure, it got all the. Oh, yeah, yeah. Next time you go up down, up and down um, Highway 1941, Terra Boulevard, going towards uh, Riverdale, Jonesboro, oh, look on the sides yeah. on sort of the, the Riverdale end of it as it goes into I-75, and there is a big old patch of these that have sprouted up near the Bradford pears that Clayton County planted before the 1970. 1996 Olympics, Olympic, yeah. and so the Bradford pears, some of them are splitting apart like they normally do, but some have cross-pollinated, have made this thicket, and I think to myself, oh man, you're going to have a hard time controlling that. It is thorny, it is evil to get into. And this poor guy, I swear, he earned this $50 I make him. <laughs> I said, I'm, you have to promise me it will never come back. Right. He said, take my word for it's not. <laughs> he pulled it out of the ground, bam. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it took three. It took him three or four times to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just way down there. And you drug it away, and you were happy to see it go. Devil in. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. Oh man, oh man! It's great talking to you, Nicole. It is six eighteen. I got to get out of here. You know that. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day. See you next Saturday, six eighteen on a Saturday morning. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And if you look outside this morning, you'll find that the weather brought to you by Ackerman Security says Mr. Sunshine is taking a little break this morning. He is gone for the day. Rain returns to Atlanta this afternoon. Showers developing and high temperatures in the low 50s. Right now it's 46.6 degrees tonight. Clouds and rain again. Overnight lows dropping into the low 40s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. And remember, tomorrow you can pick up your copy of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They're going to give a preview of what our fine Georgia legislature will be considering this year. Medical marijuana, health care, teacher pay, and about $350 worth of coupons, too. So that's pretty darn nice. David and Tucker joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good morning. 
Good morning. Legislature's reconvening. Run for cover. <laughs> Hide your wallet, David. <laughs> What's up, man? Uh, I had a curiosity, uh, mostly on Pine Straw, but a general question. Yeah. Uh, is there a, any impact of the different kinds of mulch you can use on uh, the soil that's underneath it? I was thinking specifically pH, but just generally speaking. Specifically pH, no impact. A lot of people believe that pine straw makes the soil more acid or pine chips make the soil more acid, and that is not correct. Um, but on the other hand, if you look at mulches other than organic mulches, in other words, if you use stones or plastic or landscape fabric or things like that, there's definitely an effect. And it's negative because, one, they don't decompose like leaves and chips and straw does. And number two, if you use plastic and things that are impervious to uh, rain and water, that impacts the soil compaction and, and, and soil characteristics. And the landscape fabrics themselves, uh, they will cover the ground for a while. Weeds will be prevented for about a year and a half. And then all of a sudden, anything on top of the landscape fabric starts decomposing and all the weed seeds germinate there and the weeds go or weed roots go down through the landscape fabric and then you got a real mess on your hands so i recommend any mulch you can lay your hands on as long as it's organic david chips straw leaves you name it organic i'm all for it all right that answered my question Thank nah, you man you always got a great one david i enjoy talking to you thanks so much for calling this saturday morning we'll see you soon 404-872-0750. The number coming up in the next half hour. Patrick over at McDonough wants to know how to keep his amaryllis. <sighs> Patrick will be talking to a man on the radio who has some very definite knowledge about keeping an amaryllis successfully and, sadly, unsuccessfully. Jim in Gainesville wants to know about his Christmas cactus and what's going on. It got a little cold. Maybe got a little frosted. <laughs> we'll talk about that, too. You can join that list. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635 on a Saturday morning. 46.3, let's call it degrees this morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help you be more successful in getting started and continuing in closing out your garden, whatever you care to do, whether you know anything about gardening or whether you're a long-time garden expert and just have another quick question. Either way, doesn't matter. 404-872-0750. Patrick is out in McDonough and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Patrick, good morning. Patrick. Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. Hello. Hey, Patrick. What's going on? Yes, I got one of those wonderful Christmas amaryllises, and I was wondering what you have to do now to make sure it comes back either next year or in the spring. Oh, it's terrific. And so has it already bloomed and got the yep. big flowers? And got big green leaves on it, right? Yep, and now it's starting to dry up. <laughs> uh, well, water it, Patrick. That's one okay. of our rules about plants. Um, so if all the flower buds have opened up and flowered, you've enjoyed those, take a pair of scissors and go down right down at the base of that big stalk with the flowers on it. 
cut it off right at the base, and then leave the green leaves on it in a sunny, warm window from now until April, mid to late April, outside, uh, indoors inside the house. And when it gets warm outside, mid to late April, you can take it outdoors, put it in a real sort of, I wouldn't say full, full baking sun, but a place that it gets pretty good sunshine during the day. Maybe a tad of shade in the afternoon wouldn't make me feel bad, but find it a sunny place, not in the shade, and put it out there. Cover it just enough, Patrick, so that the soil comes up just about to the neck of the bulb. You're not trying to bury it or anything, just up to the neck of the bulb. And uh, put it in place, and over the summertime, you'll get more leaves. More leaves will come on this amaryllis bulb. And in September of next year, September 1st week of September of next year, you dig it out of the ground, cut off the leaves, cut off the roots, take it inside, put it in a warm place, and leave it for... I don't know, September, October, around Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving. From the warm place where you have it stored indoors, you put it back in a pot just like you did this year. You put it in a pot, you water it, put it in a warm window, and all of a sudden more leaves, big stalk comes up, and right around Christmas, big blooms, Patrick gets to brag to everybody about he brought his amaryllis back to life. Well, thank you. It's easy to do. Now, 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 now. You're looking at a guy, you're talking to a guy, actually, who tried to do this very same thing this past year, sadly left the bulbs out where they got a little chilly before it turned, uh, you know, as the fall was going on. I had them outside <clears throat> drying underneath the, uh, the carport, and I let them get cold underneath the carport, and I think that has very seriously inhibited their ability to re-sprout. I have a little bitty leaf coming out of all three of mine, and uh, I'm sure they're eventually going to have nice leaves and eventually may bloom for me, but it's going to be... March, April, maybe, for me. So the key point about storing them from September through um, Thanksgiving, keep them in the warm place. Keep them in a closet inside. Keep them someplace like that. Don't let them get cold. Well, thank you much. You got it, Patrick. Thanks for calling. Have a good day. We got who's on the line. We got Jim up in Gainesville who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Good morning, man. It's a joy to listen to... uh, Nicole, every morning, she calls. She is a she is a bright spot in the day. She is for me too. Every Saturday, I look forward to it. How yes. can I help, Jim? Well, I have a, uh, a beautiful Christmas cactus. This thing is just gorgeous. Blossoms uh, this year. It was just more full than ever every year. Yeah, and it's probably uh, this this cactus is probably forty years old. Yeah, um, and uh, got it from uh, my wife's mom. But anyway. Uh, we left it out to get some rain and all that and forgot to bring it in with the rest of the plant mm-hmm. and it did get burnt uh, and of course all the all the petal of the petals of the leaves and all are all laying down a little yeah. bit and kind of yeah. purpley what can uh, what should I trim it or what should I do you know this is one of those plants Jim that it'll tolerate some abuse even as far as getting frozen a little bit getting a little chilly I would not do anything other than keep it warm, keep it in a sunny place, and see what happens over the next four weeks or so. Boy, I've got one in my sunroom that has been abused beyond belief, and <laughs> I, I got sent in the mail a company who has a new self-watering pot. The real way that I abuse this plant is it was hidden behind something else and never got watered regularly, yeah. and it would dry out and wilt. It just looked awful. And I was sent a, a self-watering pot to try by a company. And so I thought, man, I want to do something nice for my little Christmas cactus. And I put it in there, fill it full of water. 
Ooh, it's come up again. <laughs> it looks good. Wow. So despite my bad event, my bad action, it is coming up again. And I think you give it another four weeks and we'll see. Well, that's great. That's encouraging. My yeah. wife will like that. <laughs> <laughs> it came from her mama, after all, Jim. Yeah, yeah, at least. <laughs> yeah, be I careful with that. I appreciate your show. It's Thank always you. been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, Jim. My pleasure. Thanks, sir. It's great. Bye. Thank you, Jim. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. Chris is in Sugar Valley and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Chris from Sugar Valley, let's talk. Hey, you hear me? Yeah, hey, you great. Hey, I got a, uh, well, I, I bought this 40-acre farm for cows, and uh, I got a tree in my front yard that is producing dime-sized little fruit yeah. that that's orange. Yeah. And then my old-timer neighbor's got a farm next to me. He said it's crab apples, but mm. I always thought crab apples was a lot bigger than dime size. Yeah, and does it have uh, thorns on this on this fruiting thing? Uh, no, sir. No thorns at all? No. It's just, I mean, it'll bush up. Yeah. It's pretty. Then it, it drops, uh, like I said, orange. Yeah, are they? Uh, is the fruit on it right now? Are they present now, or is it during the summer, no, spring? When does it come? During the summer. All right. And does it flower in a way that you see pretty flowers, fragrant? Give me some more characteristics. Uh, no, no flowers. It just uh, it's sort of like an apple tree. I mean, yeah. the woodpeckers has took off to the, huh. the trunk of the tree mm-hmm. real bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just. Oh, big as it gets is about dime size. I'm leaning toward your neighbor. I'm leaning toward your neighbor's advice that it could well be a crab apple, even though you don't admit seeing any flowers. You got to have flowers to have fruit, so check it out. But if it is maybe a little small wild crab apple, the flowers will not be very big. They're not going to be much bigger than a dime themselves. And the fruit on a crab apple, it, or did they come in bunches, sort of, Chris? Like two, three, four, five in a bunch on it? Yeah, yeah, it does. I'm thinking crab apple. I'm for, for, for lack of a better diagnosis, I'm going to say crab apple. And honestly, Chris, the way that you <laughs> the way that you name an apple versus a crab apple is anything less than two inches in diameter is called a crab apple. Doesn't matter anything more than that. They're the same tree. Crab apples tend to be a little more sour, I guess. But if it's two inches or less thick or in diameter, then they call it crab apple. Anything bigger than that is called an apple. So I think uh, you got crab apples in there, dime size. It's less than two, so that's what you got, I think. Is it something my kids can uh, snack on? Sure. If it is a crab apple, I mean, let's make sure of this. I'm pretty sure it's a crab apple. The thing that is really, <laughs> really valuable about crab apple fruit, though, is boy, you can throw those things and make a Mm, a war, crab apple wars. Yeah, you've had crab uh, apple wars, what, Chris. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the do. They pull them off and throw them at each other. But yeah, but I know it's very sour and tart. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I try yeah. one myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So Daddy's going to eat it. If he doesn't die, then we give it to the kids. Well, I know. I ain't shit. <laughs> that was one but of the. I te- want to make sure it wasn't something dangerous. Yeah, before I thought it down. One of the the best decisions they made at Rocky Go 4-H Club camp, as an adult anyway, when I used to take 4-H Club kids over there, was they cut down the crabapple trees because, by George, the kids would get those fruit and throw them at each other and on the cabins and on the floors and stomp on them. What a mess! 
Make so, so you talk to your kids, you all decide what to do with the crab apples, eat them, make them into a pie, throw them at each other. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Walter. Yeah, man, Chris. Thanks for calling. Uh, We've got Greg in Noonan down in Coweta County joining us on Lawn and Garden. Greg, good morning. Good morning. What can I do for you, Greg? Well, it's kind of an offbeat question. Uh, my neighborhood where I live at, we have no fleas, no ticks. Mm. Uh, all of our dogs are just clean. Wow. And uh, it's the strangest thing. My buddy who used to live right across the street from me, his little dog never had a flea, never had a tick. When they lived next door, they moved a mile, mile and a half away. Right. The first day, she was covered with fleas. Oh man! And I'm just, I'm just wondering what's different about my soil. I, I figure it's got to be the soil, and then I don't want to do anything that's going to bring them into the sure, neighborhood. Sure, sure. You have an actually good point and a good observation and guess, Greg, because it is true that sandier soils, soils that drain a little bit better than others, are going to be less likely to support flea and tick populations because they have a certain uh, period of their life when their larvae uh, when they hatch out from the eggs that they live, uh, best live, I should say, in damp places. And so if you have a real dampish place where the dog goes to you know, get water from the water bowl or something like that, that's where all the fleas and ticks are going to be. But out in the middle of the lawn, typically, you don't see so many fleas and ticks. And so you, you could be soil having some effect on the flea and tick population, but another one, honestly, is everybody there is probably doing a pretty good job controlling them on the dog using the front line, the other systemic um, flea and tick control things. And if everybody does a good job, then you're all sort of protecting each other. We actually never, none of our neighbors ever, ever actually had to use it. Wow. I mean, I, I'm thinking the big guy upstairs for it. Maybe exactly. The small favor sometimes. You better not. I'll knock on wood for you right now and put it on my head. Uh, <laughs> keep the luck for you, Greg. Um, but you are exactly right. If you if you can think of another reason why there are no fleas and ticks there, maybe you should bottle that soil and sell it. You know, Greg's well, special tick flea can, uh, preventer. Well, once you know, you mentioned my yard. All of our soil is fairly sandy. It's mm -hmm. a high clay content. Yeah, but it's also uh, we're all kind of hilly. Yeah, so Sun, we don't have a lot sandy, of sandy. Yeah, they could conspire to to make a population not be not explode because you know some okay. people they just explode like your neighbor that moved away. Maybe his soil is a little bit different. Do a little investigation. I'd be curious, Greg, if you could think of any other reason, or if you go and find your neighbor's soil is different from your soil. The guy that moved away. Let me know if you see anything. Okay, well, thank you. Hey, Greg, thanks for calling. Bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to get your question answered this morning. John and Dunwoody will be with us in a little bit to talk about summer weeds and how to treat them. Susan in Snellville wants to know, should she fertilize pansies? Not only should she fertilize them, I will tell her the exact thing to go look for to fertilize her pansies to make them bloom. It's 647, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Nobody is singing Little Miss Sunshine this morning. You are my sunshine, but you're not going to see Little Miss Sunshine today because Mr. Sunshine has gone away. Rain returning this afternoon. 
Temperatures in the low 50s, uh, overnight in the low 40s. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And if you're complaining about the temperatures now, I was in New York City this past weekend. 15 degrees ambient temperature, 9 degrees wind chill, 30 30 mile per hour winds whipping through Manhattan. That was cold. That was cold. All right, we got John in Dunwoody joining us. Hey, John, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walt. I got some uh, carryover weeds from the summertime, look like yeah. clover, etc. Yeah. In the backyard, and also I got moss back there. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know that's the problem. Yeah. In the front yard, <laughs> I got a dormant Bermuda yard. Yeah. It's got green grass coming up, and I need to get rid of that for next spring. All right, John, it's going to be doable but difficult let's put it that way but the main thing that you're fighting against is shade if you have moss in your yard I know you have shade too much shade Bermuda grass cannot live in shade and so as it dies away moss comes in and until you fix the shade problem you will continue to have weed and moss problems okay I mean that that's just put it right up there right nailing it to the wall where the goats can get it so you can limb up trees, you can take trees down, you can do something to increase the amount of sunshine to make the Bermuda happier. Uh, that'd be great. You can control weeds if you want to. There, you know, there's all sorts of post-emergent weed killers. We've got the bear and the ortho and the weed begones and the bonides and things like that. You can kill weeds, not a problem there. Yeah. The problem is the grass is not going to come back. The grass will not come back until it has more sunshine. All right, how about the green grass growing in the front that's coming up? Ooh, that is probably, probably annual bluegrass, John. That's my guess. That's a very common grassy-like weed, and uh-huh. it germinates in October usually, and then it shows itself in January February. Oh, it'll look really good when it comes May, John. It'll let, bluegrass looks fabulous in May. And then in June, the heat of June will cause all the bluegrass and the Bermuda to die, and you'll have these big dead patches of grass. It'll look really ugly. So the easiest way, I think, to control the bluegrass now is to get a rake or something that you can wrap a towel around, an old towel, spray uh-huh. it with Roundup until it's just damp, and then go out there one afternoon when it's dry and sunny and just sort of wipe the towel over the top of the uh, green grass. And the Roundup that gets on that grass will kill the grass, but it will not get down into the Bermuda and kill your good grass, kill your Bermuda grass. All right, gotcha. That'll work. And, I, you know, I heard of a lady one time that says, you know, I got an old Swiffer pad. You know what Swiffer mops are, John? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she got an old Swiffer pad. Same thing. She sprayed the Swiffer with Roundup and uh, wiped it over the top of the weeds in the lawn. And uh, she said that worked pretty well for her. Okay, well, happy belated birthday to your mother. <laughs> Thank you, John. I'll tell you said hey. Okay, buddy. Thank All you. Right. All right, man. 404 872 0750, the number to dial. If you have a garden question about anything you want to talk about, Susan, of course, will be first in line in the next hour. Frida in Villa Rico has Bermuda grass choked out by weeds. Well, maybe Frida has a different situation from John there. We'll talk to that, talk to her about that. Tony in Alpharetta has dog urine on a zoysia lawn. John wants to know what to plant on a 45 degree slope. Walter, my friend in Jonesboro, wants to know how he got a sweet gum. He's got the sweet gum is removed, and now he wants to know how to get the stump out of there. What are we going to do about that stump, Walter? We'll figure it out. All right, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. Only sunshine, you make me happy. 
When skies are gray You'll never know, dear How much I love you Please don't take my sunshine away